success. Now, I've been a pastor for, for 24 years. I've met with literally thousands of individuals, couples, people uh, who just have come in to talk to me about life. You know, maybe their finances, their parenting, their, their careers, their marriages, different relationships, you know, how they can connect with God more, how they can serve God better, how they can use their God-given talents. And uh, one thing that is always true 100% of the time is that I find that people, they come talk to me because they want to do better than they're currently doing. They, they, they don't want to be down here. They want to grow. They want to see increase, uh, you know, in their lives. And that, that's the one thing. No one goes through life and says, uh, you know, I just want to be a you know, loser or I want to stay down here. No, we, we, want, we want to, I've only met one person in my life who wanted to be a loser. It was in the military, and uh, I saw him a few years later, and he was succeeding, okay? Anyway, that, that, those were his own words, you know? Um, but here's the thing. If you think about life, sometimes we're going through life and we're trying to do better, and we want to increase, and we want to be a better man or woman, a f- husband, father, a friend. But, you know, the one thing I notice is as we're growing up, there's no classes on how to be successful. If you go to school, high school, college, a trade school, they teach you how to do an occupation. They teach you how to do a job, but they don't teach you how to be successful in life. And so many times we want to do better. We want, you know, we want to increase. We want to live better lives, but we simply don't know how. And so that's what this whole series uh, is, is about. And Basically, there are fundamental principles, we're going to call them laws, that lead to success. And, and anyone can use these uh, to increase or do better in their life. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at successful people, um, I found that there, there are some common denominators. And, but it's not what we think. For example, if you, if you, if you we went out and found a hundred most successful people uh, in our in our city, what you would notice is that externally there doesn't look to be any common denominators. I mean, they're different ages, they're different genders, they're different ethnicities. Uh, some of them have education, some of them don't. But what what the difference is is that they have they have discovered these principles, these laws of success, and they've used them as a foundation in their life. And here's the deal. When you have a good foundation, you can, you can grow. You can't grow. You can't increase above the strength of your foundation. So let me mention a few myths of success. These are what I, things I hear commonly that, you know, I would like to be successful. I'd like to do better, but I didn't come from a good family. And everyone that's successful come from, comes from good families, you know, two-parent families, a mother and father who love them. Other people say successful people have the best of edu- that education can offer. Other, other people think, and this is wrong too, that successful people were given certain advantages in life. Well, I would love to do better, but I just wasn't given ad- certain advantages in life. And, and yet I know that these aren't true That because every day as I go out through our community, as I meet people here at the church, I meet people who've come from broken homes, who had alcoholic parents, who had parents who mentally, verbally, or physically abused them. I meet people who have no education at all, even perhaps dropped out of high school. Uh, And 
but they somehow they've reached a high level of success. And again, uh, you know, they're, they're women, they're minorities, they're people that are handicapped. Uh, they're, they're small people, large people, white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. The external factors don't look the same. And, and so here's the deal. Success is an inside job. And here, I want you to know that success is an open door and it has your name on it. But you have to be willing to walk through. You have to be willing to find out some of these principles and use them so that, so that you can be successful in life. Sometimes, here's another big thing in our society. When, when we see that people are more successful than us, all of a sudden we don't like them. And we become critical of them. And I, I just want to tell you, we, we have a big God. And he can take you anywhere you need to be. We don't need to be jealous that other people are successful. We ought to celebrate when other people are successful because we can get, the, we can get there too. And I also want you to understand this. If, if, if sometimes we're intimidated by people who are experiencing high levels of success because we think that they're better than us. They're not better than us. They're just living differently than us. I'm going to say that again. If you meet somebody that's more successful than you in their marriage and your marriage is struggling, those people may not love God more than you. They're not better than you. God doesn't love them more than he loves you. They're just implementing some laws into their marriage that are allowing them to be successful. And so as we go through this series, I'm just going to, every week I'm going to give you a principle or a law. And I promise you, I assure you, if you implement these in your life, it will allow you to go farther than you are now. It will allow you to do better in life. It will allow you to love people like you've always wanted to love. It will allow people to trust you. And, and here's the last thing I want to say before we get started this morning uh, on the laws is it, it's very interesting that all of these laws I'm going to talk about, they all come from the Bible. They're all biblically based. I know a lot of people who, who have never read the Bible and they're not Christians and they're successful. And what they don't understand is they're actually using principles from the Bible. They don't know it. They may even say, I don't even believe in the Bible, but I could take them passage by passage and show them how they're actually following some biblical principles that are allowing them to be successful. So this isn't, this isn't a self-help sermon series. This isn't a motivational sermon series. Have any of you ever been and heard a motivational speaker? I mean, you leave and you're real happy and you feel good about yourself, but you don't know why. And the next day you wake up and you feel the same. These laws, when you put them in your life, I promise you, I guarantee you 100%, they'll bear fruit in your life. Because they're from God's word. God's word is true and it works today just as it worked back then. So the first law, law number one, is the law of vision. The law of vision. And what we find is that successful people, they have a vision for their lives. They have clearly identified where they want to go, what they want to achieve, where they feel like God wants them to end up. They've clearly identified that, and because they've clearly identified that in their minds, in their hearts, it produced an, in, an incredible amount of passion in their life. And the passion is not because they're special, it's because they have a vision. God has birthed a vision in their life, and that vision is just it's just oozing with passion, and they can't wake up every day. They can't wake up every day, you know, to get started. 
it's very interesting. I meet, I meet certain people, and some people uh, that I meet, uh, all they talk about is being able uh, to quit doing something one day. Well, I can't wait to retire. There's the, the FIRE movement today. It's called uh, Financial Independence Retire Early. And people are retiring it in their 30s and 40s and just like doing nothing. Then I meet other people who are in their 70s and they're so passionate about what they're doing. They have a vision for their life and their work and they wake up every day at 5, 6 in the morning just excited, excited about, about uh, what God has for them. When you have a vision in every area of your life, if you have a vision for your marriage, it will inspire you uh, to work on your marriage, to improve your marriage to the point that you're happy to be married. Some of you in here this morning, you're not happy to be married. I'm sorry, I put my truth meter on today. <laughs> but you're not happy because you're breaking God's laws. You're not living as married couples the way you're supposed to. What I'm saying, when you have a God-given vision for what your marriage should be, I'm telling you, you'll be passionate about that relationship. Okay? Um, okay, if you did, I have a thing. If, if I say something that can be taken two ways and you like one way and you don't like the other, just take the way you like. Okay? Just, just do that. So let's look, let's go to the Bible. Proverbs 29, 18, it says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision... That word vision uh, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew there, it, it means um, dreams, revelation, or a word from God. Where there's no God-given dreams, where there's no revelation from God, where any place in your, air, in your life that you don't have a word from God, that's what vision means. Vision is a word from God, having dreams, having a revelation. It says the people perish, but that word perish doesn't mean die. It means to stay in a, in, a, in a state of confusion, to not make progress, and to be frustrated. There's nothing more frustrating in life is when you're dealing with the same problem for 20 years. I mean, have you ever been excited one day that you solved one problem and now you got a new problem? Sometimes new problems are good, right? But sometimes we're going around the circle of dysfunction and we're dealing with the same problem over and over and over again. So what this says is, is that when we have a clearly defined, well thought out, God-given vision for our lives, it allows us, it allows us to make progress in life. It allows us to take steps forward uh, in our journey of life. I want to stop and say something real quick. A while ago when I said some people in here are not happy about being married, that was not in my notes, but I feel like that's a word for somebody here. I feel like that's a word for several families in here. And I just want to tell you the problem is not your mate, and the problem is, is not that you chose wrong. The problem is that you, you don't have God at the center of your marriage, and you're disobeying some of the biblical principles of marriage. Marriage is a biblical institution. God, God created the institution of marriage, and he gave us principles. I want to say furthermore that in the fall, Tracy and I are going to be doing a seven-week marriage, marriage uh, intensive for couples. You don't have to have a bad marriage to come, but you'll have a better marriage if you do. And so when, when I, sometimes I say something, sometimes I say something, sometimes I say something, and I look at Tracy, and she's like, <laughs> so... Uh, 
but I, I believe this. Do we want to come to church and not be challenged at all? I don't. I challenge myself every week when, I, when I'm preparing these things. So, um, so think about that. God wants you, you to be happy about being married, and he wants your marriage to be a blessing, not just to yourself, but to your kids and to the people you come into contact with every day. So vision, it allows you to grow. You have something you're shooting for, and you're passionate about growing and reaching that vision, the end of the vision. Vision helps you to grow. Vision gives you a sense of purpose. Purpose is a driving force in life. If you think, well, it would be nice if I did that, you never will. When you have a purpose that burns down here, it, it will help you to get to where you need to go. And I, I think that for Christians especially, vision comes from God. And then we're going to read one more passage, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. It says this, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on, on, ta on tables or tablets that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry, it will not hold off. So we learn three more principles from Habakkuk is, first of all, vision must be written down. When, when we clearly write our vision down, it gives us a specific target to shoot for. Vision tells us where we want to be at a certain time in the future. Uh, I always tell people, you know, writing things down, journaling, is very important. I've had times in my life where God specifically spoke to me about something, and six months later it was a little bit fuzzy. I mean, he specifically told me something, and six months later, it's like, now what exactly did he say? But if I write it down, I can go back and look at it exactly as it was told to me. So vision tells us where we want to be at a certain time in the future. Vision has an appointed time of fulfillment. And here's, here's the thing I need you to understand is that when God gives you a vision, you know, usually it's something big, it's something dramatic, it's something that God's vision doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you, and it could even affect, you know, thousands of people, uh, you know, that, that, that you don't even know right now. But here's the thing, if you have a God-given big vision, you're not going to fulfill it in a week. It's not just going to happen tomorrow. I mean, look at Joseph. God gave him a vision of being a spiritual leader, of leading people. And it's, it's years later. It's years later before he had the vision at 17, and I believe it's at 37 years old that, that he actually takes charge in Egypt and, and starts handing out the food in Egypt and all that. So he had, to, he had the vision at 17. But the fulfillment of that vision didn't come till years later when his brothers came and bowed down and he began a feeding program that pretty much kept the world alive at that time. So vision is a long-term process. It's a journey that we're going to reach at a certain, you know, a certain time. It's a certain destination. And um, so, so think about this. If I just, I'm trying to encourage you. If, if you have a vision for your marriage, you say, man, this is where we are, but this is where God wants us to go well you know it may take it may take six eight a year and a half of hard work to to get to where you want to be but if you're down here and you're going up here every step that you take you climb you're better off than you were 
but the fulfillment is up here. And, you know, we want things fast. And I joke with this, we want God just to zap us or zap the people around us and fix us. But he wants us to put in the work. That, that's what it's called, doing the due diligence, putting in the work. And uh, the third thing is that vision requires persistence. Too many people quit before they see their vision fulfilled. How many of you know people that had a vision and they quit? And, and maybe that's you here this morning. And I don't, again, I don't want you to be discouraged, but maybe you need to get back in the game. Maybe you quit, you need to get back and start doing what God has put you to, to do. So in other words, because it's a process and it takes time, they give in to, we're all, we're all human, we, we give in to discouragement, we give in to setbacks, we give in to disappointments. And so, in other words, they have a vision, but since it's not happening as quick as they think it should, they abandon the vision, they abandon their dream. And visions and dreams have to be fought for, they have to be pursued with persistence. And you know, when we're little kids, we have dreams. It's not vision. Sometimes we have dreams. You know, the little boy out in the playground, he wants to be in the NBA. And he, he you know, he ends up being five foot seven, weighing a buck 20. And, you know, it's, it's a dream. It's not a vision. It's a dream. But as, as we get older, in our teenage years, we start going to college or trade school or doing something, we begin to develop, a, it's kind of a combination of dreams and vision for our life. And what happens is we start going through life and we look around and we tell ourselves that that, that actually looks impossible. So instead of shooting for my vision, my dreams up here, we're just going to settle right here. And I, again, I want to tell you, just because it looks impossible doesn't mean it's impossible. God takes things that look impossible in the natural all the time. And flips them on their head. Again, we have an all-powerful God. We have a God that created our world, created us. And if it's a God-given vision, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. We have to keep fighting for it. We have to keep believing for it. As a matter of fact, if you have a big vision for your life, I really encourage you, you know, be careful who you tell because people will think you have lost your mind. You know? But, but that, that's kind of the way it is. Paul Meyer, he said this. He said 90% of all those who fail are not actually defeated. They just simply quit. Thomas Edison, who experienced many failures, he said many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. See, a lot of times people are knocking on the door. They're knocking on the door of a breakthrough. But they let, they let the devil deceive them. They, they listen to other people around them. And they become discouraged. Listen, we're in line for a breakthrough. You don't realize how close you are to a breakthrough. Uh, one of my favorite stories and is, is the story of aviation, the story of, of, of how, we, how flight started. And uh, many people don't know the true story uh, or the full story of it, but there was a guy by the name of Dr. Samuel Langley who way, way back in... Uh, the early 1900s, he was given $50,000 uh, by, by, I believe it's the War Department, um, and uh, yeah, by the U.S. War Department. And in 18, in October 18, 1903, he tried to launch the first aircraft. They, it was called the Aerodrome, and it failed miserably. It made the front news of all the papers, 
uh, people were just killing him. So he tried a second launch, and it failed too, so he quit. And two brothers, we know them, Orville and Wilbur Wright, um, they, 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 took, they took all of his work, and two months later, in, in, in North Carolina, they flew their plane. They flew the first plane in 1903, two months after. So he was right there. It didn't work for him, but he was right there at the edge of a breakthrough, and he listened to people, and he couldn't take criticism. And he just threw in the towel, and these two guys who didn't know that much took everything he had done, and two months later, uh, you know, they flew the first plane, and now they're in the history books. And you only know about Dr. Langley if you hear someone talk about him. Not many people talk about it. He, did, he didn't make the history books. So let's talk about this. How, how, how do we create a vision for our life? We need to have a vision for every area of our lives, for our spiritual lives, for our family life, with our, with our kids, with our marriages. We need to have a, a, you know, a, a vision for our, for our careers. We need to have a vision, a plan in every area of our, of our lives. So how do you create one? If, if, you, don't, if you don't have a clear vision, how do, how do we create one? First of all, is you, you have to formulate a clear vision for your life. You have to formulate. You have to put it down in writing. So vision is supposed to be specific, targeted, and clearly defined. And one of the problems that I see when I talk to people is that people, their, their, their vision is too general. And a couple comes in and says, well, what do you want? We want to have a great marriage. Well, what is a great marriage? The deer in the headlights, you know. I mean, I mean, seriously, what you have, if you want a great marriage thing, you, you need to define what a, what, a great, what a great marriage is. In other words, something like this. We want to have great communication. We want to share the same values. We want to have unity of purpose. We want God to be a priority in our marriage, and we want to love each other with unconditional love. That's much better. That's a plan. That's a goal. That's something to shoot for instead of saying, oh, we, we want our marriage to be better. Again, what is better? What is great? What is, what is good? It's relative. And so you have to, if you want a vision for your, for your marriage, you've got, you got to put it down on paper. What is it that you truly desire? What do you want to see God do in your life? You know, if, if we want to have great kids, well, I want to raise great kids. Well, what defines great kids? I've been to places before and, and, and kids were just going nuts and their parents thought they had great kids. I told them no different, you know, go therefore and be happy, you know. But what, what, is, what, is, what are great kids? What does it mean uh, to raise a great kid? You know, Tracy and I, we, um, th- there's three things that we wanted for our kids. We wanted our kids, first of all, to love God. Secondly, we wanted them to love people. And the third thing is we wanted them to fulfill God's plan for their life. So Tracy and I, I we, we don't care what occupation our kids choose. We want them to love God. We want them to love God. I, we want them to honor God's word and live their life by the principles in God's word. And, and so everything Tracy and I did, we tried to mirror that. We tried to be a godly example for them. Second of all, we wanted to love people. You can say this today. If you watch the news or listen to people, people do not love people. 
And we wanted our kids to love everybody, everybody. I mean, white, black, Asian, people who, who are Christians, people who aren't Christians, people who believe like us, people who don't believe like us. I have people every day that I meet, I meet, I have good friends, and we're polar opposites. They're, maybe they're not Christians, or maybe they believe this way, maybe I believe this way, and, and we still have a loving relationship. We care for each other. You know, the, the thought today is if someone doesn't believe like you, you have to crucify them. That is one of the most ungodly and unbiblical things I've ever heard. And we're supposed to love people. Supposed to love people. So Trace and I, we tried to hang around all different types of people when our, when our kids were growing up and, and demonstrate the love of God. And then I believe this. We will never truly be fulfilled in life until we're doing what God put us on the earth to do. And that's what we wanted for our kids. That's what we wanted. To us... That, that was what it meant uh, to raise great kids. Now, if you want to hear more about that, I have a book coming out in about six weeks. That's all about that, okay? It's all about that. Then, you know, I want to have a su successful career. Again, that's too general. What is a successful career to you? Is it just to make money? Is it to help people? I mean, do you want to be a mid-level manager? Are you happy being at the bottom? Or do you want to supervise people? You know, what, what do you want out of your career? And if your goal is to advance, then the next question is, what do I have to do to advance? Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to take some classes? Do I need to get some certifications? See, that is having a specific, targeted, clearly defined vision that prompts you to action. You know, it's not enough to say, I just want to do better in my career. You've got to have a targeted, clear-cut vision to get to where you need to go. And then how about, you know, uh, I want to have a growing relationship with God. Well, what, how do you define that? To some people, it's coming to church once every six weeks. Seriously, wh what does that mean? I want to have a growing relationship with God. Put, put, that, put that down. Then what am I going to have to do? Man, I'm going to have to start reading. I've got to know my Bible. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus... And if the Bible is God's word to us, I have to learn my Bible. I mean, I have to learn how to become a strong prayer warrior. I need to learn how to pray. As so many people, uh, it's funny, they, they, they come here and maybe they've never prayed, they don't know how to pray. And I tell them, come to the week of prayer and fasting. And just go sit by the people that are really praying. That's how you learn to pray. You get around people who are better at it than you, right? And, and, and so what, what is it? And so I, I have some homework for you. I hardly ever do this, but I'm giving you some homework today. Uh, I'll be coming by your house on Wednesday to check it out. I want you to go home this week, today, and formulate a vision for your life. Many, see, many of you are waking up every day, and you're, you're battling through life. You're doing the very best you can. But it's just like you're sword fighting with an invisible enemy. You don't have a vision. You have to formulate a vision. Habakkuk said, write it down. Go home today and get a piece of paper. If you're married, and write out, what is a vision for my marriage? If you're single, what's a vision for my life? What's a vision for my career? What's a vision for my spiritual life? Put it down on paper. Tape it wherever you see it every day and, and look at it. Say, that, that will encourage you every day to do something. But if you don't have it written down, and if you don't know where you're going, it, it's not vision. Vision is clearly defined and targeted so that we know exactly uh, where to go. The second thing is this, is you have to develop a strategy to achieve your vision. 
once it's on paper, you have to do do something to work, uh, you know, to work to work with it. Um, but it will not happen until you take action steps to achieve it. So here's the thing: if you're at point A right here, and point Z is the fulfillment of the vision God has for you, what action steps do you need to take to get from point A to point Z? What what is what action steps going to get you from point A to point B? From point B to point C, C to D. What, what, what is it? What action steps do you, do you need to have? But here's the truth. That's why, you know, the Bible says don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer. Take action. We never get anywhere in life by just thinking about it. Have any of you ever thought yourself into success? I mean, if we could think our way into success, we would all, our bodies would all be chiseled, right? We would all be housed. You, I could go on, but I'm not. I mean, I mean, think about it. If we could create our perfect life by thinking and daydreaming, everyone would be successful. But you've got to take the vision, what you've thought about, what you've put down, what you've formulated in a statement, and you've got to put that into practical action steps uh, in your life. And here's something else you need to think about. What sacrifices will I need to make to see this vision fulfilled? There is no growth without sacrifice. There is no growth. So what, what do I need to give up? What is in the way of me growing? What's in the way of me being a better husband, a better wife, a better woman of God, man of God, better friend? What, what, what's in the way? And it, I want to make a statement, and I think it's profound, but you can be the judge of that. You can't have everything in life, but you can have the things that are important to you. The world says you, can ha- you can't have everything. No one can have everything. But you can have the four or five things that are very important to you. You can have those. You can have a vision, and God will help you to be successful in those areas. But, again, there has to be some sacrifice. There has to be some things you're willing to give up. And, you know, for, for Tracy and I, you know, there were several Several, you know, when we were we were young, we were starting this church. That was like having triplets, you know. And then we had our own babies. And then, we, you know, we're trying to work on our marriage. We're trying to stay close to God. And we're trying to have a few friends. Like, that was all we could do. That was all. We were maxed out at that. So, you know, like when our kids were small, Tracy and I, we didn't have any hobbies. We didn't have any hobbies. We, we didn't have time for hobbies. We didn't have money for hobbies. We didn't go on Really, hardly any vacations. We didn't have the money for vacations. But we poured ourselves into our priorities, into what God had given us a vision for. And, um, you know, for a while I had some friends who loved to play golf. <laughs> These guys loved to play golf. And so they got me going out there playing golf with them a little bit. But, you know, golf takes like three or four hours to do 18 holes. And I know if you're a golf lover, hey, nothing wrong with that. God bless you. But it wasn't me. And so, I, like, I wasn't very good at golf. They took me out there one time, and they said, Terry, are you tired? I said, man, I'm exhausted. And they said, man, they, he said, if I swung as many times as you did with that metal club, I, w- I, I would be laid out right now. So, well, that's how I, how, that's how I feel. <clears throat> but they told me this. I said, guys, I'm not playing golf anymore. I'm not good at it, you know, all this. They're like, but Terry, if you practice, you could be decent. I said, Decent, not, not Tiger Woods, decent, right? <clears throat> Basically, what they're saying is if you practice, you won't embarrass us, you know? And uh, 
One, one, one time I put my ball down on the tee, and I swung as hard as I could, and I missed the ball. And the next time, I drove the green. And so we were teeing off on the next hole, and my friend said, Terry, get up there and embarrass yourself again, then drive it to the green again, you know? Anyway, but, but here's the, you know, if, if you practice, you can be decent. For all the guys here, I felt like Alvin, Alan Iverson. We talking about practice? Practice? Only a few people got that, but anyway, if you did, you did. But anyway, you know, golf wasn't a priority. It wasn't on my priority list. You know, again, we were starting this church. We were, new, we, we were a young married couple. We have kids. We, we have all these, have some friends. We have responsibilities. We, we didn't have time for all that stuff. You can't do everything, but you can do the things that are, that are important uh, to you. <clears throat> I want to read an email to you. Our, our missionary in Honduras, Brother Don Villanueva, he hasn't come in a number of years. Hopefully we can get him to come back sometime soon. He's 88 years old. He got saved when he was 25, and he gave up everything to follow the Lord. And uh, he started church. I, I, don't, I don't know. I lost track. Maybe he started 120 churches all over, all over Honduras, all over, on the island of Roatan, up in the mountains. And, and God has called him to the poor people in those areas. He started church in Costa Rica. And he's 88 years old. And this is the email I got from him on Thursday. And when I read it to you, I just, I want you to understand this is the passion that vision brings into your life. It's an unstoppable force. It's unstoppable. But you can't have passion without a, without a true God-given vision. He says this. He had, been, he had been sick a little bit. Dear Pastor Terry and Miss Tracy, greetings in the name of the Lord. I am feeling better. Thank you for your prayers. Recently... We had, we had a, a gathering of pastors and men for three days and three nights, and it was such a blessing. The Lord has opened a new door for us to reach souls for Jesus. It is, it is a far away place, far from home, seven hours by paved road, three hours rough, bumpy, dusty roads, five hours navigating in a canoe about 25 feet long in a very narrow canal. They call it the lagoon. And there's, there's crocodiles, millions of mosquitoes, no convenience at all, really. It really takes love for souls to go there. And we are planting churches there. 88 years old. 88 years old. And he's, he's traveling by canoe to reach people for Jesus. Come on, church. We got to do better than we're doing. We have these little bitty visions from God. We want to play church half the time and be in the world the other. We got to get serious and say, God, give me a vision to change our world. Give me a vision to change my family. Give me a vision to reach people for Jesus. If you want a vision and God gives it to you and you want to reach it, it's going to cost you something. So here are some action steps. First of all, you're going you're to have to devote time and energy. It's going to be time and energy. It's what it takes. And you're going to have to find a, a network of friends to help you, a church, professional organizations, family. You can't do it by yourself. So number one, formulate a clear vision for your life. Number two, develop a strategy to achieve your vision. And number three, become laser-focused. Laser-focused. Once you have defined the vision, 
and a strategy to help you accomplish the vision, you have to remain focused on the vision. Keep it in front of you constantly. Whatever consumes your thoughts becomes a priority in your life. I mean, if TV shows consume your mind, that's what becomes a priority. When we start having God thoughts and God visions for our life, for our family, for things, when we begin to do meditate on that, I'm telling you, it, it becomes a priority in our life. It consumes, it consumes our thoughts. It consumes our prayer. It forces us to pray and really uh, get to working on it. Philippians 3, verse 13 through 14, it says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we, we have to focus on, see, vision is about the future. It's where you're going, not about where you've been. Don't worry about where you've been. If you need to ask God to forgive you for, forgive you for some things, he's done that. Man, we're not trying to make you feel bad for where you've been. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for where you are. But let's get a vision for where we need to be. Let's get a vision for where, for, see, the vision that we're going to, it's God's best for our lives. Don't quit before you get to, to God's best. Don't quit before you get, you know, to the, to the promised land. And so, I, you know, in, in conclusion, we're talking about these laws of success. And, and again, everyone can be successful. Everyone can get to where God wants them to go. But the first thing is vision. Without vision... You have nothing to shoot for. You don't have any direction to go. And so hopefully I've just tried to be real practical with you today. And, you know, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Terry, I need to go home and formulate a vision. And I don't even know what to put down. And here's the, here's the thing. Pray and ask God to help you. Say, God, help me. And as you start to write, the Holy Spirit will begin to help you. It may take you a week, several days to, to you know, rough draft to get what you really like down there. But... But it's so important. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to do something, you know, a little bit differently today. And I, I, finished, I finished early so we would have some time. And, you know, if you're, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And when I've been talking, it, it, it's really struck a chord with your, with your heart. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm living, I'm fighting, I'm trying. But I'm not living by vision. I don't have a vision for certain areas of my life. And. And this week, I need God to help me solidify vision in my life. And what I want to do, I, listen, I, this is so important. When God speaks something to our heart, I think it is so important for us to respond at that time because God's wanting to do something in our lives. And sometimes we say, well, I'll go home and pray about this this afternoon. No, you'll, you'll be busy. You'll go home and get busy, eat lunch and stuff. So today, God wants to do business with us today. You know, if, if, if you're here today you said, Terry, I have at least one area of my life where I'm living without vision. And I want God to help me to formulate a vision and give me action steps to achieve that today. I just want you to, to walk out from the aisle where you are and just come up here. And we're just going to ask God to help us give us vision. Maybe you're a married couple here and you just want to hold hands and come up here together and say, God, we need a better vision. We need a better vision for our marriage. Just come step on up. There's going to be many.
children, these men and women, they've come up today, and God, they're saying that they need a greater vision in their life. They need a greater vision in their life than they have in certain areas. And God, right now, I pray for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of direction, the spirit of guidance just to fill them, the spirit of peace. God, I pray you're giving them hope. I pray you're giving them determination. You're giving them persistence to pursue the vision you have. God, I pray you're filling them.